Blog Talk Radio. show here on a Friday afternoon, and Sangai and QT with you as usual, except QT is not here yet, he should be here shortly, we hope, we really hope, but if you're looking for some pro wrestling today, WCWO in Indianapolis, Indiana at the Outlaw Arena, tomorrow, WUW America featuring Kevin Sullivan, and Pitbull Gary Wolf in Vaughn, Washington, IPW in Muncie, Indiana, NEW in Shelbyville, Indiana, Battle in Berg in Williamsburg, Ohio, WCWO running two Saturday shows, Beach Grove, Indiana, followed by Mooresville, Indiana, Gouge back in Raleigh, North Carolina, LPW in Lubbock, Texas, MLL in Paris, California, and Voltage Wrestling in Martinsburg, West Virginia. I believe QT is finally with us. Yes, I am. Oh, okay. Now, QT, we are waiting for the guest. While we do, do you have a copy of Mr. Popper's Penguins to read? Mr. Popper's penguins is missing in action. I think it might be buried under. (laughs) It might be buried under my um, fabric softener sheets. But might I interest you in a mound over hell by Gary Morgenstein? Or uh, let's see. I oh here we go. Uh, The first one, a fastball for freedom. Or I have. the Mass Saint, and I have a fourth selection that's possible. This is um, Beneath the Armor of an Athlete. Let's go with Beneath the Armor of an Athlete. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, uh, sorry about that. I nodded off almost. Uh, oh, well, there is our guest, so let's bring our guest on. Oh, okay. Do we have Juniper with us? Hello, can you hear me? We can. Thank you so much, Juniper, for joining us. This is Sign Guy along with QT. We want to welcome you to the show. And since today's your first time with us, we will start you out with our first timer question. What led <laughs> to you getting into the business of professional wrestling? Well, uh, first off, I want to say thank you both for having me on today. Uh, But what led to me getting into professional wrestling, uh, I've been a fan ever since I was a small child. My uh, cousins and I, we watched the Monday Night Wars, literally, you know, flipping between then WWF and WCW. Um, And my love of professional wrestling never really waned. So even as I got older, I continued to watch, you know, uh, and fortunately with, you know, with us becoming more of a global society, being able to watch, you know, wrestling from Japan and Mexico, you know, just really uh, brought to life how complex wrestling really is. So uh, I figured with how big it is, there's definitely a place for me somewhere. Now, you're uh, fairly recent in your career. I know you haven't been working a very, very long time. In a lot of people's goal is sometimes wrestling's not the ultimate goal. Sometimes they like to get into, say, promoting it or 
training other wrestlers is like doing something like promoting or training something that you've considered to this point? Honestly, I've always been most passionate about wrestling itself. So I think if my body told me no, I would, you know, think of other avenues. But at least for the time being, wrestling is my big focus. Now, going into the actual training aspect of wrestling, did you have a background that was going to prepare you for that, be it amateur wrestling, gymnastics, drama, anything like that? So, growing up, I was in martial arts, um, and I've always been into fitness. So I've never really been at a point in my life where I've been out of shape. Um so, and honestly, it was always because there was a part of me that wanted to wrestle, and eventually I just made that jump. Um. Oh, uh, you get introduced as Miss Big Kick Energy, so obviously yeah. you throw those kicks pretty well. <laughs> In wrestling, we've seen a lot of really great kicks, be it the super kick, Mafia kick, the side thrust kick, there's a lot of them out there. What's your favorite kick to incorporate into your own repertoire? Oh, well, that's a good question, and that would be my finisher, the unicorn kick. It's just a giant big boot, nothing like running and, uh, you know, kicking someone with all of your might. It doesn't matter how big or small they are. Um, you know, it knocks them flat on their backside, so... It's a really effective move. You mentioned having done martial arts. There's a lot of wrestlers that incorporate martial arts into what they do historically. Guys like Stan Lang, Tracy Smothers, Ricky Steamboat, they all use martial arts within pro wrestling rules as their style. Did you have a favorite growing up of a wrestler that had the martial arts type style? I mean, I always love watching uh, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. You, you can never go wrong watching uh, any of his matches. Uh, so definitely he was one. But I've always been a big fan of uh, some of the, I guess, charismatic characters. I've loved Goldust. I've loved Shawn Michaels. So both within and outside of, you know, martial arts influence, I've really loved wrestling. Amateur wrestling is something that a lot of pros have done over the last however many years pro wrestling has been around, 100 years. Uh, It gives a good base for what the pros do. It does uh, kind of give a legitimacy to the professional's skill set. Did you ever attempt amateur wrestling, either like, as a sport or just as a way to train to have that background? Um, When I was younger, I definitely did. Um, It actually conflicted with me and my uh, martial arts training. So already having that commitment, it kind of outweighed it, Um, which there are pros and cons to that, I do feel, because as you say, there is some uh, extra legitimacy to people who do have that. Uh, amateur Greco-Roman wrestling background. Well, at this point, my co-host QT is with us, and I'm going to pass you over to him. Uh, Hello, Juniper. Uh, Hello? Can you hear me? Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Juniper. This is QT. Uh, Happy rainy uh, Friday to you, or at least it is in the Northwest. (laughs) Well, hopefully I can send some sunshine your way because I think it's been sunny most of today. Oh, well, we don't really want any more sun because we (laughs) have been in a very long, prolonged drought. And there is, uh, I'm sure you're aware of this, a, uh, a weather center I mean, a U.S. drought monitor that monitors droughts in every in certain part in all parts of the country, 
And there's uh, five categories of drought. One is, the least is abnormal dryness, and the one is exceptional drought or historical drought. And they have all kinds of color codes for these different levels of drought. Yellow being uh, abnormal dryness. My question is, have you yourself ever wrestled in a fuzzy yellow outfit or tights and uh, the company that produces is called Abnormal Dryness Wrestling? That's what I'm trying to ask. Uh, no. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, there is. I, I was floored to find out there is a wrestling company that produces uh, these tights called Abnormal Dryness. Yes. Huh. And they're not based in the United States. I was very floored. I'll need to take a look into them. Thank you. Oh, okay. But uh, now there are five categories of dryness, you know, uh, but uh, I'll, I'll uh, talk about that later. We're, we're pretty much in the eastern part of the state, exceptional drought. Did you, did you know that uh, Washington State itself is pretty much divided in half where the western half gets, gets abnormal wetness except this year, and the eastern part is semi-arid desert. I did. Oh, okay. Can we? Can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil fans what state you hail from, Juniper? In uh, Michigan, right in Detroit. Oh, now Michigan, yes. Michigan and Minnesota have had a rich wrestling heritage. Uh, many stars have come out of Michigan and Minnesota, including Ravishing Rick Rude. I'm, my first, one of my first questions is, were you a big Ravishing Rick, Rick Rude fan? Actually, I was. Can you can I you can you hear me better now that I turned down my volume? Uh, now I can hear you. Yes. Oh, okay. Now uh, I couldn't quite hear you. Were you a big ravishing Rick Rude fan? Oh yeah, I always loved watching uh, ravishing Rick Rude. His arrogance. I always just kind of found it really comedic. Okay, now, uh, one part of Ravishing Rick Rude was when he would have a kiss camera or he would uh, tell Bobby Heenan to pan to the crowd to pick out a lady who would like to get a kiss from Ravishing Rick Rude. A seminal moment in WWE history happened when Ravishing Rick Rude scanned the crowd and he picked out a lady and uh, he went to talk to her. And he asked if he would, uh, if this lady would like to go out on a date with him or have a kiss from him. And the lady looked at him and said, no. And both Ravishing Rick Rude and Bobby Heenan looked kind of astonishing. And they said, uh, well, what, uh, so I assume you're married. What kind of loser uh, are you married to and what's his occupation? And she said, he's a wrestler. And uh, and Bobby Heenan goes, oh, a wrestler. And uh, the lady goes, that yes, that's a fact. In fact, he he uh, is here tonight. Bobby Heenan goes, oh, he must have been that ham and agar uh, ravishing Rick that you just rolled up and pinned and booted in the ass and threw away that ham and agar. And the lady and uh, lady said, no. In fact, his name is Jake, Jake the Snake Roberts. And uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering if you had seen that uh, seminal moment in WWE history where Jake the Roberts ran out and started beating Ravishing Rick Rude for confronting his wife. It sounds familiar, but I don't believe I have. Or if I've watched it, it's just been in once again like uh, clips where it's shown like historical WWE moments, but I don't think I've seen it in the greater context of the show. Oh, okay. Well, now we give out homework assignments on Turnbuckle Turmoil. You might want to go on uh, YouTube and look up Ravishing Rick Rude, Jake the Snake Roberts confrontation. 
Okay. Definitely. Oh, okay. All right. Now, have you yourself ever come across an opponent on the indie circuit that had the attitude and perhaps well-earned charisma of a ravishing Rick Rude because he was ripped to shreds? Um, surprisingly, not really. I think with how competitive the wrestling scene is around here, people try not to get too big of a head just uh, because you do have to focus uh, to make sure you can still, uh, you know, get bookings because there are a lot of wrestlers looking for work. Oh, okay. All right. Well, now, speaking of WWE superstars, of which Ravishing Rick Rude was one of them, can you name your personal favorite superstars from the age of 16 to 25, realizing that sometimes as you age, uh, your perceptions change, and so do your wrestlers. But from 16 to 25, in what we call on the Turnbuckle Turmoil show the sweet spot, can you give us your top five wrestlers? Um, in no particular order in that age group, it would have been Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, um, CM Punk, AJ Styles, and thinking on the last one just because of that period of time, and Rey Mysterio. Oh, okay. All right. Now, I myself instantly uh, kind of capture a common thread here. Chris Jericho, Shawn Michaels, AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio. We're talking pretty much what could be classified as the cruiserweight. Those that have those are that built, but they're built very well. But they're not quite the super heavyweights uh, like you know uh, Yokozuna or the One Man Gang or the A Train. Yeah. Uh, we're talking uh, uh, in boxing, they would be the uh, light heavyweights or the cruiserweights, especially with uh, Shawn Michaels and probably uh, AJ Styles. Yes. Can you tell us if you venture if you ventured away from that uh, weight category, who your rather who were your larger uh, wrestlers, like uh, perhaps the natural uh, disasters, tugboat and typhoon? Who were your top five big men? I was definitely a big fan of Vader. Um, For other big men, I always found, um, in more modern wrestling, uh, I was a fan of Umaga. Um, You kind of see that. Um, The Wild Samoans in general, uh, just their legacy, and a lot of them are larger folk. I was a big fan of Rikishi. Um, once again, still Samoan, but kind of tried to do uh, a few different things to step out of the mold. And I guess um, if I were to do a number five, I've always loved the big show. Um, you know, growing up, he was the big guy I watched. Um, you know, by the time I was really old enough to remember watching wrestling, Andre the Giant had already passed away. So, you know, my memories are all with, you know, watching the big show just tower over people. Oh, okay. All right. I Now, I think you could kind of qualify maybe Bobby Lashley as a, well, maybe he's a, he's a blend from probably a light, well, maybe not a light heavyweight. I think he's a, well, he's not a super heavyweight. I, I'd say he's he's a uh, I'd classify him more as a moderate heavyweight. Yeah. Uh, yes. But uh, the, now, of course, there was a seminal moment in WWE history where Bobby Lashley and Umaga were in the ring with Vince McMahon and the and the future president of the United States. Donald Trump. <laughs> were you impressed? <laughs> were you impressed with the contract signing for the Battle of the Billionaires match? The contract signing. I thought it was one of those moments. It was more meant to be a bit 
tongue-in-cheek. So uh, for what it was worth, I thought it was entertaining, but I also thought it was, you know, fairly comedic, honestly. Uh, I kind of disagree, Juniper. Juniper, uh, that tongue-in-cheek, I think this laid the groundwork. And some people in the Pentagon threw Donald Trump in there, and it laid the future for his successful run for the presidency. How he conducted himself, especially when he clotheslined Vince McMahon, that won a lot of the Southern vote. Yes. <laughs> I think it did, it, the clothesline of Vince McMahon by, by Donald Trump. Do you yourself see uh, – did you yourself watch the clothesline and say – that might have swayed my vote. I'm going to vote for Donald. Did, did that sway your vote? That's what I'm asking. Um, you know, people's performances, it, you know, doing anything in, in terms of entertainment or wrestling related, I don't think would necessarily sway my vote in a political sense. Um, but I thought, I thought it was rather entertaining. Okay, who, who, who the... can disagree with seeing uh, McMahon get his butt kicked a little bit? <laughs> who in in the WWE wrestling ring throughout history is some of your favorites that have gone on to hold public office? Can you name a few of your favorite wrestlers that have gone on to a career in politics? Um, I've always been intrigued by uh, Jesse Ventura because um, he, he's he he makes a lot of great points with what he said, um, and he had, you know, a decorated career uh, back in the day. Um, so I guess in both regards, I, you know, I was a fan, even though I didn't see most of his work in the ring as he created it, because it was, you know, before my time. But um, I think that would be pretty much it. Um I don't really follow along with politics unless they're kind of more related to, um, you know, directly what I, what would be influencing me. So, like, I know Kane is, uh, what is it, mayor of Knox County, but I don't know enough about, like, his political views. But I'm like, oh, I guess it's, it's cool that, you know, he's doing something outside of wrestling. Um, you know, he's found, you know, purpose there. Oh, Okay. All right. Well, it is good that you mentioned Jesse Ventura because when I was um, a kid growing up uh, in the Northwest, he was on uh, Portland Wrestling uh, with uh, the great Don Owens as promoter. Um, and he worked with some people like Playboy Buddy Rose, Rick Oliver, and Ed Wiskowski, who uh, once had the role uh, or persona of Maharishi, I am Ed. Uh, his that character was based on a um, a commune out here uh, that was uh, the Rahanishis, Rahanishis that were based in Oregon. But somehow they influenced uh, Ed Wiskowski, and he would somehow sometimes give promos as a follower of the Antelope people. <laughs> but that that harkens back to a day, the territorial days, or the dying of the territorial days. Were you yourself a big fan of the territorial days? Honestly, I feel like there were pros and cons, but I liked. Um, I rather did enjoy seeing it because you did have your separate styles, and in the territory days. I don't know. It just you see. I see where the WWE is at right now, and part of it being the colossus it is, kind of tore you know help tear apart the territories, and in doing so, you really don't see that competition yet cooperation among uh, you know promotions like you you did at times back then. Oh, okay. All right. Have you yourself ever gone on YouTube and looked up the Portland wrestling videos of Playboy Buddy Rose and his to and his historic face turn, where he turned from heel to face? Did not, but if you send me a link, I'd definitely be happy to do so. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll, uh, we've got our homework assignment to send you that. Okay, very <laughs> good. All right. Well, now you mentioned among big men, uh, big men, 
that uh, Rikishi was one of your uh, favorites, or at least in the top five. Have you yourself ever received a stink face in the ring? A stink face. I have not, and I kind of hope it stays that way. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, uh, now, he was known for his dance steps, especially when Scotty Too Hotty would ask him to uh, don his boiler hat or an English-style hat and dance some in the ring. If you could be transported back in time yourself, because time travel is a subject on the Turnbuckle Turmoil Show, how well could you uh, dance step if you if you danced with Scotty Too Hotty and uh, Rikishi? Could you hold your own? That's what I'm asking. Not, not even close. I think it would look about as awkward as when Kane tried to do the spinneroonie. Oh, come on. I thought Kane did quite a good job with the spinner, Rooney. Myself, <laughs> he yes. He definitely tried his best. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, that, uh, now, was Scotty Too Hotty uh, one, of, one of your more favorite, especially in cohorts, cohorts with uh, Rikishi? I definitely liked the whole Too Cool gimmick. It was funny. Um and they stood out because for a while the light heavyweight division and the tag team division kind of seemed a bit, you know, top heavy. So seeing people that stuck out was always entertaining. Okay. All right. Now, speaking of kind of like factions of which Rikishi and Scotty kind of belong to, were you a big fan of the NWO or New World Order? Uh, I was. I actually liked both DX and the NWO, so it was hard for me to choose between WWF and uh, WCW growing up in the Monday Night Wars. Oh, okay. Who would you, who do you think would win on a one and one on on a five on five basketball game between the two factions? <laughs> um. I think I'd have to give it to DX just because at the time uh, they had. People who are a bit younger, so I'm thinking maybe the healthier knees would give them, give them an advantage. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, the healthier knees. Time does take its toll in the ring. Have you yourself uh, suffered from any ring injuries that were quite hard to overcome? You, you yourself. Fortunately, nothing too major as of yet. Knock on wood, it stays uh, that way. Um, I've had minor injuries, like I've bruised ribs. Um, I've sprained my thumb, um, nothing really huge. The things I can just, uh, kind of rest, wrap up and, uh, you know, just give them time to heal. Oh, okay. All right. Now we have also, uh, talked on the Turnbuckle Turmoil show about traveling. Now is, surprisingly, Romania has quite a a new, well, I'm not sure how new it is, but a wrestling organization. Uh, Wrestling has hit it big there. Uh, Of course, Japan has always been big in wrestling. And you know the history of wrestling in Puerto Rico. Are these some of the territories or states uh, that you would like to travel to or countries? I I never heard of wrestling in Romania. That could be very interesting. Um, I wouldn't be opposed. Uh, Definitely Japan, though, is one of my, uh, it would be one of my targets to wrestle globally if I had that opportunity. Um, Puerto Rico, I wouldn't be opposed. Kind of the same with Mexico. Um, And, yeah, I guess kind of whatever opportunities arise, I would, you know, at least strongly consider. want to see the adventure of, uh, you know, where wrestling can take me. (laughs) Oh, okay. Now, I I take it uh, that uh, when I said Romania, of course, you think of Castle Dracula. Uh, You'd probably want to uh, see the site of uh, Romania and its folklore. Would crossing the Carpathian Mountains be on on your uh, bucket list when you wrestled in Romania? Crossing the Carpathians. (laughs) <laughs> um, before you mentioned it, I never really thought of it, but now that you do, that does seem like it would be a, a really nice thing to kind of, you know, tick off, tick off a bucket list, even 
even though I hadn't previously thought of it. So uh, now that you mention it, if the opportunity arose, I think I'd definitely do it. Oh, okay. You may want to do a Google search and review the history of the Carpathian Mountains before you actually cross them. That's just a suggestion. <laughs> I mean, That's I myself would like to see a wrestling match held on the Carpathian Mountain uh, passes or, or, or the pa- pass itself. And yeah, I think of what the title belt uh, would be like. They, it'd be a, they'd have to include a picture, maybe engraved, of the Carpathian Mountains on a title belt. Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> Being that far yes. up, I don't know if I'd have the endurance to wrestle up at that altitude, but... <laughs> I see. Well, you see, now that's what makes it unique. That'd be kind of like uh, wrestling in Denver at a high height. You'd really have to prepare your cardio to do this. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's always been kind of an uphill battle for me because I have asthma. So if I don't focus on cardio, it becomes quickly apparent. So it's something I always work out into my routine. So... Uh, Two-a-day workouts are difficult, but they're kind of necessary. Well, you see, that's the beauty of holding this on the Carpathian Mountain Pass, a wrestling title with the Carpathian Heavyweight Championship belt. They could give you, like, what are they, what are, uh, a handicap in golf. Why can't they have handicaps in wrestling? <laughs> handicaps, <laughs> like. You know, for your asthma, you you might get to say, how would you say, oh, okay, uh, while you're wrestling your opponent, you, uh, you can have a special timeout, say like about uh, 25 seconds, while he or she uh, has to run in place. I could see that as a handicap. Person, I like a challenge though, so I would I wouldn't like getting a handicap. I, if I if I'd fight for a title, I'd want it to be. Oh, legit. Okay. (laughs) All right. I'm going to put you down, Juniper, that you do not want any handicaps if you do wrestle for the Carpathian Heavyweight Championship uh, in the Carpathian Mountains. All right. I'm I'm marking that down. If I pass out, I pass out. Just pin me there. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, this kind of blurs into uh, stipulation matches you know, or, or hindrances. Uh, what's kind of, what are some of the uh, uh, stipulation matches that you have been in or special condition matches, stipulation? So one of my most recent matches was actually at XVW. It was a five-way elimination match, and it was no disqualification. Um, so with five people, there was a lot going on. Um, but it was kind of fun working with a different dynamic since we weren't just um, limited to the confines of the ring. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Well, Juniper, the referee holds a crucial role in the success or failure of the wrestling match. If the referee is in the wrong position or, or is a green referee and doesn't quite know what he's doing, the match can be, uh, even though you might have two fantastic competitors in there, it could really make shambles of the outcome. Uh, who are some of the better referees that you yourself have come across? Um, in terms of that, one of my good friends, uh, Abby, she actually does refing in the area, and she's quickly becoming one of the better refs in the Midwest. Um trying to think. I know that um, in Indianapolis, there's a ref named Dylan Lovett. He's really good, but I think he's now training to become a wrestler, so um, if that happens, we'll lose him on that side of things. Um, And then also, I guess, a shout-out to Corky Robinson. Uh, He's actually going to be retiring from refing here uh, in November, Um, so he's done well, but once again, his time is kind of coming to an end, so uh, um, hopefully we get a new batch of good referees soon. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, now, I, I mentioned that wrestling in Romania is, uh, or at least uh, the, the 
the one they're holding now is kind of new. Uh, Romania itself has had a rich history in Olympic wrestling. However, um, uh, we here have a Romania-like situation in Idaho uh, it, with a club called Wrestle Club in uh, Idaho, of which the Spud Brothers are two of my personal favorites. Uh, but Idaho is, fair, is fairly new in the Pacific Northwest, and out there they have a a coffee company called Death Proof Coffee that many of the wrestlers partake of before their matches. My question is, what kind of coffee or favorite beverage do you have before a match? Ooh, um, that really varies. I drink a lot of water, um, but for me it'll either be there are a few different energy drinks I cycle through, or um, if I am drinking coffee, I tend to brew my own cold brew um, with whatever I can kind of find on sale. But uh, I've been trying a few different coffees out. I've always been a fan of Kalamazoo Coffee Company um, because I was born in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So only being a few hours away, I can still find that relatively easily. Well, I sure would like to see you one day produce an energy drink called Miss Big Drink Energy Energy Drink. <laughs> I mean, Miss Big Kick, Miss Big Kick Energy Drink. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, okay. Michigan, huh? Okay. Well, who are some of your uh, favorite wrestlers that have come out of the state of Michigan? Um, I guess I missed one of the big wrestlers on my list, but uh, I've been a big fan of Rhino. I forgot that he's both bigger and from Detroit. So, <laughs> um, also, who else would I say out of some of the uh, big fan of the Motor City Machine Guns? Um, How about the Steiner brothers? Rob Van Dam. Yeah, a big fan of the Steiners, even though uh, Rick kind of – I honestly preferred uh, Scott Steiner when they were the, when he was tagging with Rick than when he kind of <clears throat> became kind of roid ragey. <laughs> like, the, like Big Papa Pump. Yeah, like he still has some moves, but I just I, – I don't know. I liked watching the Steiner brothers. They were – Fairly agile for being as large as they were. Oh, okay. Okay, very good. All right. Well, at this moment, I'm going to pass it back on to Sign Guy, and hopefully we can give you uh, some uh, footage of the Carpathian Mountains and possible sites in, Rom in the Romanian Carpathian Mountains where you yourself will get a shot at the Carpathian Pass heavyweight title <laughs> or middleweight title. Yes. We, I look forward to it. I, I think Sign Guy will look forward to that. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, back to you, Sign Guy. Thank you, QT. Well, Juniper, one of the things that is always going to be a big part of pro wrestling is travel. As someone that has traveled the roads and made all these towns, what would you say are some of the best travel tips that you have learned so far? Um, carpooling is honestly your best friend. Um, not only do you kind of save on gas because you'll have multiple people in one car versus, you know, three or four, but you can have people rotate out driving, um, especially with how large the United States is. Uh, you know, having one person drive is almost unrealistic. Um, so being able to rotate drivers can make a lot of ground really quickly. Um, so if you have a longer trip, it almost becomes a necessity at that point. Uh, on top of that, uh, guess I, I personally, I cycle through listening to music and listening to podcasts. Um, and a few of my friends recommend if you start getting a bit tired, eating something crunchy because the sensation of crunching into something prevents you from falling asleep. I don't know if that's true or not, but 
my friends swear by it. So <laughs> I guess if you're tired, give it a try. Especially in the era we hit right now, merchandise has been a big, big part of income for pro wrestlers uh, as uh, shows are being a little bit more scarce over the last year or so. Uh, people selling merchandise on the websites, the uh, like social media, so forth, so on, has really put money in the pockets. What's your own personal merchandise game like these days? So I need to do some replenishing, but I've got three different T-shirt designs currently. Um, one that it uh, says "You're the Unicorn," and it's uh, I had an artist draw me as basically a cartoon character with my uh, heart symbol that I do for my uh, pose. Uh, the other one, it just says Unicorn Crossing, and it almost just looks like uh, a traffic sign. And the third one is actually a friend of mine did some art. Uh, it's kind of meant to be uh, almost inspired by, like, a, a design from Mega Man, uh, but, you know, me instead. So I have those three designs. And I'm always just thinking of more ideas because, uh, especially with a lot of people I wrestle in front of, if you can if you can really appeal to like their sense of nostalgia they're more likely to buy t-shirts from you in the last several years we've seen an uptick in lucha libre as far as american audiences approving of it and wanting to see more and more of it there's a lot of lucha based promotions in the United States right now, no matter what part of the U.S. you go to to visit. Is Lucha something that you see a lot of on shows you do, or have you taken part at all Lucha shows? Um, So I have seen people incorporate a lot of Lucha style into their wrestling. Um, the closest to really working on a Lucha show uh, was actually in August. I worked on uh, the show right outside of Toledo. It was a Tejano and Mexicano festival, and half the card was luchadors, and the other half of the card was, uh, you know, the rest of us, uh, you know, us gringos, so to speak. So it was kind of interesting seeing the differences in styles, but also, you know, having a chance to work with them. Um, you know, kind of having an appreciation for that different style of wrestling. Oh, one of the more important aspects of pro wrestlers' uh, overall package is the interview, and I know you do a lot of promos and interviews that go up to YouTube to promote each and every upcoming fight that you have. How important do you think that is, not just in wrestling in general, but specifically to the independent scene where you're at, to be able to do a very good, very engaging promo or interview? I think, in my opinion, it's really important, especially with the prevalence of social media, with the number of people posting things online, you really do need to have something that convinces them to, you know, stop and click your link because people are bombarded by them all day. Um, So I think it really does bring into, uh, into light really how much marketing comes into play with being a a successful wrestler. Now it shows that you do, a lot of times you will see fans gravitate towards the style of wrestling that was popular in that area during the territorial days. So if uh, you do a show in, say, Memphis, they'd like a lot of the uh, punch-kick type of stuff with gimmicky stuff involved. If you are from Minnesota, you might prefer straight uh, technical wrestling. Do you find that when you do shows, that's how the fans best respond, or do you get a different vibe everywhere you go? 
you know, in my opinion, uh, it it really does depend from crowd to crowd because some fans they really do like over the top engaging wrestlers, and you do have other places where you know they're not going to make noise until you guys start really wrestling. Um, so you are definitely correct. Uh, it does change from crowd to crowd. I guess I didn't really so much notice it geographically speaking, but then again, I wasn't paying attention as much. So you very well are probably right with that, that it does kind of harken back to the uh, territorial days. And now that I know that, I think it'll help me better plan ahead for shows too. Hopefully that's true. And we know from our own experiences on this show that Fans can sometimes be very, very volatile. Uh, Sometimes they get extremely angry at you when you do something they dislike. Have you ever on a show you've been part of had an instance where the fans got over the line and uh, were physically going after a wrestler? I Fortunately, don't think I've had a situation where I've seen that happen on a show I've been on. Um, I know I definitely have heard of it happening, but fortunately it hasn't been something I've had to really deal with. I don't recommend trying it. Now, it is a lot of wrestlers uh, thought processes a lot of wrestlers gravitate towards having a favorite actual physical ring that they have Uh, some people prefer the big 18 foot ring some prefer like a 16 foot ring some people like real rope some cable There's a lot of variances in the actual physical rings themselves. Do you have a personal favorite as far as rings where you regularly compete? Um, right now it really varies. Um, I know I personally prefer bigger rings, um, just being taller on six feet. So, you know, these 16 foot rings feel pretty cramped, especially if it's anything more than just a one-on-one match. Um, Being able to tighten the ropes is a big deal. I've definitely worked on shows where the ropes, with how the the corner posts were, they could only get so tight, so the ropes were more for decoration than use. Um, So I'm... I'm not too picky as long as it's relatively safe, but um, if I had to pick a favorite ring I've wrestled in recently, it was the one at that Mexicano festival. Um, It was Phil Monahan's ring. It bumped really nice. Uh, The ropes were really secure. A little bit low, but it was meant to make us taller people look even taller. Um, so, you know, just running the ropes for a minute, I was able to just adapt into that a bit. And it was a really great ring, honestly. Now, have you ever been in a match so far where there was a problem with the ring itself, whether a board popped up, a rope broke, the turnbuckle snapped, anything like that? So I haven't had to deal with that, but there were a few matches I was in that we noticed that the boards weren't stable or there were gaps in them. Um, So it was something we still had to adapt around uh, during the match. But during our entrances, you know, uh, we always, a lot of the people I wrestle with, we all will kind of walk around the ring and check for, you know, uneven spots or gaps so we know where to avoid just to be on the safe side. Very smart. Well, we're down to the last few minutes of the show. I want to make sure you have ample opportunity. If there's anything you would like to say today, plug or promote whatever you would like, social media, merchandise, upcoming shows, your favorite 
seafood restaurant, anything you want, the floor is yours. Awesome. Well, I appreciate that. Well, I guess first I will promote the next two shows I'll be debuting at um, next Saturday. September 25th in Fenton, Michigan, I'll be uh, doing my debut at IWE, uh, Imperial Wrestling Entertainment in, uh, that's not Fenton, that's Houghton Lake, my apologies. Uh, Fenton will be on Sunday where I debut for F5 Wrestling, Uh, so it'll be a busy weekend. Uh, In terms of social media, you can find me on Facebook at Miss Big Kick Energy. Uh, you can do the same on Instagram and Twitter. And then you can also find me on TikTok at Vaporwave Vixen Juniper. Um, other than that, uh, I think that's really all I have to plug for right now. Well, Juniper, thank you so, so very much for taking the time to be with us today. We appreciate it greatly. Hopefully we'll get to do this with you again soon. Best of luck at your career. I appreciate both of you for taking the time with me today. I'll make sure to do my homework, and uh, you both have a great evening. You too. Thank you. Well, fans, as we Bye-bye. close out today, uh, we did suffer a loss in the wrestling world. Austin Fury, who wrestled in the Midwest for many, many different promotions, tragically passed away just yesterday, so we want to send out well wishes to his family and colleagues, and as we wrap up, we will hit the traditional 10-bell salute 